and welcome to a new Bunker Daily. I'm Ros Taylor. We hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you are, you can now support us on Patreon, the crowdfunding platform. Backers get lots of benefits, including an ad-free version of the podcast, attractive mugs and t-shirts and access to our next live stream on Thursday 9th of July. Search Patreon Bunker Podcast and find out how you can keep us in rude health. Talking of rude health, yesterday the government announced a big relaxation in lockdown with pubs, restaurants and playgrounds opening, but it didn't include pools, even outdoor ones. So unless you live near the sea or river where you can wade in safely, you'll have to wait even longer for your next swim. With me to talk about what this means for swimmers is Jane Nickerson, CEO of Swim England. Hello, Jane. You must be gutted. Hello, Roz. I'm absolutely distressed. It came completely out of the blue to us. We were expecting to be in that step three reopening with everything else and it just completely pulled the rug from under our feet, to be honest. Where do you normally swim? I normally swim at the Wave in Coventry, which is a local authority pool, quite new. Uh, Lovely 25 metre studio pool with also a lovely little spa attached to it. Um, There's also a 50 metre pool in Coventry that I can swim in as well as part of that membership. I think we're all missing that at the moment. I normally swim on the um, Hampstead Heath and the Ladies Pond, and I last swam there in the middle of March. So it's just it's been so long, hasn't it? Pools had already made plans to open in the hope it could be done by fourth of July. Why do you think cinemas and museums got the go-ahead indoor spaces before you did? I think that's a burning question, and that's a question I asked all day yesterday. Is please give me the science behind this? If we're working on science. What makes a cinema and a museum and a pub better to open than a swimming pool or a gym? And I haven't had an answer to that yet. We, we were surprised, Ros, because we did a lot of work throughout June with government on this, on all the guidance for step three openings. So our role was to work with UK Active, who are doing the dry side for gyms. We did the pools. We realised in June that the government's guidance was going to be very high level. So it was agreed that we would do the specific guidance about opening swimming pools. We worked on that throughout June. Public Health England were happy with it throughout that period. We agreed a date that we would launch ours on the 15th of June. Government asked us to pull that forward to be ready on the 12th of June which we managed to pull out all the stops and do that, then nothing happened. They then said that they were going to drip feed the step three guidance out over a period of time. And would we just be ready to go any time between the 12th and 15th? It didn't. We went on the 15th anyway, but there was no indications, none at all, that gyms and pools would not be included whenever that date was. We were prepared for the date to be moved for that whole step three if it wasn't deemed by the scientists to be safe to open step three we were prepared for that it was always july the 4th at the earliest but we weren't prepared for certain um, elements of that step three to open and not gyms and pools what does it say about us as a nation that we put shopping and drinking ahead of sport do you think I'm not sure the nation does. I think the nation's been forced into this. And I think that's a really sad indictment of of the thinking behind this. I, I just love to know the thinking. If it's down to economics, um, I can understand there is revenue generation for the government from tax on alcohol and things. But we save the NHS and the social health care a phenomenal amount of money. And we've proved in swimming that there's £357 million a year is saved to the NHS and social care through just six different conditions 
by being in the water that that saves that amount of money. And, you know, we're talking about protecting the NHS. This is another way of protecting the NHS is keeping people fit and active and managing some long-term health conditions in the water. And you pointed out it was a lot harder to maintain physical distancing between drunk people in a pub than between swimmers in a chlorinated pool. What do we know about COVID-19 and chlorine? We don't have specific information on COVID-19 and chlorine, but we know it's an enveloped um, virus and we know that enveloped virus do not survive in chlorine water. So we know that for an absolute fact. The issue is it's an airborne virus and then it's how you then manage um, breathing out and things like that. And that's where all the, the guidance and all the measures came in. And we're absolutely convinced and Public Health England were happy with our guidance that we had done everything possible to minimise the risk of people not being able to breathe on each other constantly. So we changed the configuration of the lanes, we changed the configuration of how you swam, so that if you're passing somebody in the swimming pool, you're passing them for less than half a second. So it it just doesn't make any sense to us. (laughs) So it's the real problem with changing rooms, essentially, because when I take my kids to the local pool, it's true that the communal changing area is absolutely rammed and very humid and stuffy. Is there a way around that problem. Mm, Absolutely. I mean, the thing is, it's about managing the number of people in the venue and all the operators are absolutely up for that to do ticketed. So it's not free access to begin with. It will be ticketed access. You book your slot and you get your swim. And to be honest, that probably gives you a better swimming experience anyway than rocking up to see how many people are in there. We are suggesting in the early days that people come what we call beach ready. So have your swimming costume on underneath your clothes. Shower at home because showering is really important whenever you go swimming anyway. Um, so shower at home, have your costume on underneath your clothes, have your slot in the pool, dry off after your swim in the change rooms, minimise your time in there, get dressed, but go home and shower and do your hair and whatever else. So what we're saying is minimise your time in the changing rooms. The guidance around hygiene, cleanliness and cleaning in there is very tight, but would be the same as what you would be doing in the loose in a pub or something like that. When I told my kids that they weren't going to be able to go swimming in the immediate future, they were, let's say, very disappointed and they were not very placated by the thought of going to a museum, which we'd have to do on public transport anyway. Is this fair on young people particularly who've already had their lives totally disrupted by the pandemic to then say, no, you can't swim? And especially as summer approaches when we normally be going out and wanting to get out of the heat, um, especially today. It's not fair. It's not fair on anybody, but the children who, how can they even understand what's going on in their world at the moment? And this is just another thing of their routine, which has just been ripped away from them. But also it's swimming lessons. If you, if you are a child now of a certain age, you could be a lost generation, especially those who can only learn to swim through their school program. There'd be a lost generation of kids learning to swim and being safe in, on and around the water. And it, it's not just the children. We have some very elderly people or people with long-term chronic health conditions and water is their only method of activity. Yeah, I want to talk uh, to you about that specifically because I've certainly found, because I have MS and um, at times it's actually quite hard to walk. Um, at times it's fine at the moment, but when it is hard to walk, walk, swimming is incredible because it's something I can do. It supports my body and completely takes the, the pressure off. And 
of course, we can go out and, you know, go on runs and exercise and walk. But there are actually lots of people who can't do that, but can swim, aren't there? Oh, no end of people. And we have water wellbeing programs in place exactly for that. And as you yourself have just mentioned, for MS, it's absolutely superb because you get freedom in the water where you're safe, you're protected, you can't slip and fall. It is just the right environment. We've done a lot of work with dementia. And when people with dementia are in the water, it takes them almost back to their memories of childhood and their confidence and their happiness. It just is a joy to behold. And it, the research we did on dementia was incredible and the effect it had on their carers because very often the carers are a parent or a spouse and all of them were saying, when I'm in the water with my wife or husband or whoever that has dementia, they are my wife and their husband again. I am no longer their carer. In the water, we are just a couple. So you're CEO of Swim England and that represents swimmers at every level. Um, from people who just go to a pool occasionally to athletes training for the Olympics, don't you? Um, are the athletes banned too, or are there sort of private pools where they're able to to swim? There's a very tiny number of swimmers who are Tokyo-bound or on that trajectory who are being identified in partnership with ourselves and British Swimming who have been allowed under the UK guidance on return to training have been allowed to train. We only have two centres, a very small number of swimmers doing that. It hasn't, our Scottish and Welsh colleagues haven't been able to join in on that either. It is only English swimmers at the moment or swimmers based in England who live in England that can do that. Um, but it's a very, very small minority and it's hard on all my club swimmers. I have 50,000 competitive club swimmers who just feel desperate to get into the water, absolutely desperate. And they are the future. These, these are the kids of the future, but they can't swim at all at the moment. So they can't practice. And yet these are the next wave, as you say, of potential Olympic swimmers. And their training just has to completely stop. Yeah, just doing land work, land training, bench work. The number of um, paddling pools that have been sold, I think that was probably the, the place to be in, the very big paddling pools. They literally buy one of those, which is slightly longer than they are, and they tether themselves with a band or a tether at some point and literally just swim in the paddling pool, not going anywhere, but just using the, the water. You were a national swimmer yourself. Um, where did you compete? I competed for City Country Swimming Club for a lot of my life. I wasn't a great swimmer. I did scrape internationals and things, probably did a little bit better at Masters. So when I got to 25 and over, I did get a couple of European medals at Masters Swimming uh, when I got a bit older. That sounds pretty impressive. I mean, <laughs> quite an achievement. And in your spare time, you're a Samaritan, which must give you an insight into people's mental health at the moment. Now, I know that Samaritans can't talk at all about individual cases and so on. But have you had a, a lot of calls about lockdown? Have you seen how people have been struggling perhaps to deal with the restrictions placed on, uh, upon them? Yeah, isolation is, is a massive thing. So this has obviously increased isolation. It's increased family issues because, you know, a lone person can now have a support bubble. But who do you choose? <laughs> you know, if you've got a nice united family, which side of the family do you choose? And in, in a strange way, I was in that position because I live on my own and I have a lovely nephew, wife and family and lovely niece and partner and family. 
So which one did I bubble with? Now, we're not a family that argues, so we managed to sort that one out because of particular needs where one part of the family needed to keep a bubble for somebody else. So I naturally gravitated to another one. But not everyone's lucky in that. And that's tearing families apart and tearing grandparents apart. But Samaritans have also opened up a separate helpline during this period for NHS and social care workers. Um so there's a group of us that are running a very a very dedicated line for them because what they're seeing and what they're coping with is just unbelievable. Just being on the front line of dealing, especially in the early days where there were so many in intensive care and so many patients not making it. NHS staff in those those conditions are used to dealing with death, but not on the scale that they've seen this time. So that was a different support mechanism for them. So... Being a bit more hopefully positive, if things, since you are so ready, are you hoping that in what I guess will be phase four of reopening, that pools can reopen in time for the summer holidays? If, you know, even if not indoor ones, perhaps outdoor ones might might be better than nothing. Have you got a possible date in mind now that you're working towards? We haven't been given a date at all. We are putting massive pressure on to go for mid-July. It does take time to recommission pools. So if if they stand up there tomorrow night and say, pools can open tomorrow morning. They wouldn't. We have to recommission them and get them up and going again. But the leisure centre is very robust at getting themselves ready to welcome people through the doors. So I've been down to a pool in London um, to do some other interviews on Monday, and they're absolutely ready. They're 100% ready. Everything is ready to go in that pool. It's been recommissioned. The signage is there. The lane rent markings are there. The gym's been set out with social distancing. So we're ready to go now. And I think we will just keep pushing. We'll keep pushing for a July opening because... Unless somebody gives us a science and says, this is the reason why not, this is why it's dangerous, we would just keep pushing now for an opening in July. I just one question to finish off that I've been curious about. During all this time, have the pools been drained? Have they been emptied? Most of them haven't been. It's better to keep them with water in, far better with water in, because once you empty a pool, you get all sorts of issues, especially a tired pool. You get all sorts of problems with tiles falling off and things like that. So it's better to keep them full and then do a complete backwash complete change and just bring them up to scratch again for some reason that gives me a bit of comfort there's something about the thought of an empty pool that would make it even even sadder (laughs) jane thanks so much for joining us there's another bunker daily tomorrow and don't forget you can watch our last live stream if you sign up as a patreon search patreon bunker podcast to find out how we'll see you there The Bunker Daily was presented by Ross Taylor and produced by Andrew Harrison. The assistant producer was Jacob Archbold and audio production was by me, Alex Reese. Theme tune by Kenny Dickinson. The Bunker Daily is a Podmasters production.